0: Amen. I love that song and very fitting too, the words are kinda gonna tie in really well this morning, knowing that the Lord walks with us, he talks with us, tells me I'm his own. He's intimately acquainted with us, is he not? We serve a God who is indescribable and yet walks with us daily, side by side, hand in hand, allows us to hop it up into his lap as a father does, to enjoy his intimacy and to enjoy his presence and Today we're going to experience some of that in a different way, um, through some scripture and through a video testimony. First off, I'd like everybody to stand and we're going to declare the word of God together. So everybody please stand. This is the foundational scripture we're going to be discussing today through um, a testimony. Uh, We're going to have a video testimony as a part of the sermon. But um, I just want us to declare this scripture this morning and with it that our flesh would be worked on. That our soul man, our mind, will emotions as we declare this will be encouraged and comforted. Our spirit man within us will be declaring yes and amen. And more than anything, that the principalities and powers that are over this place will hear this truth and be shaken. Amen? There's war going on, guys. Right now, what we're doing right now, there's warfare going on. And by declaring this and putting this together in unity and verbally, we're at war. So I want you to listen to these words. It's going to be the premise and the foundation of what we're going to talk about here from this morning. So let's de- declare this in unity together. Remember this and be assured. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my purpose from a far country. Truly, I've spoken. Truly, I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely, I will do it. And the saints said, Amen. You may be seated. Guys, that's foundational truth that we, it's one of my favorite scriptures. That's one of my go-tos time and time again. And this morning we're going to see a video now that displays this, that cries this out, that manifests the glory of God in this scripture, foundationally. And we're going to talk about this morning and see this, God's sovereignty and his providence, his intimate acquaintance with us. I don't know many of you, I know I'm on stage right now struggling with some things with my father. My heavenly father, some things that y'all may think is trivial and not a big deal. But for CJ and where he is in his flesh and things that I struggle with and fear and stuff, I've been battling this week with some things. And I need this. What we just declared I need to hear that. I need to be assured of that. And there's been some things going on that I've been going back and forth with my papa and battling through some things of needing to know this reality. And so today we're going to hear an amazing testimony and it's a part of the sermon. So if you're hearing this, and not just something to fulfill our space. This testimony is a part of the sermon. There are scriptures declared. There are things said that will fall in line with this. So let the Holy Spirit give you ears to hear and eyes to see and to be able to prick you in this because it's so powerful. God used it this week as we prep for this to encourage me to speak to me. So I hope you will really embrace this. See for what it is and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you during this time, during this amazing glory story as we hear about Chris and Fran McCorkle and God bringing them their boy.
1: Good morning. So CJ asked us to share just a little bit about the adoption journey that we've been on over the last four years and how we've seen God at work in that and how we've seen his timing in that. And um, so many things we could probably share. We try to pick out some things that we thought just kind of illustrated um, how God's been at work. But, We thought we would start this morning just by sharing how we got to adoption in the first place. And, um, you know, even before we got married, you know, it's something that we talked about. So even then, God was kind of working on our hearts with that and kind of making us open to maybe that was a way um, that he would want to grow our family. And, um, you know, one of the verses that kind of stood out to me that's kind of come up over the years is Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, um, which says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us um, in the one he loves. And so, you know, one of the things that we've always talked about is what an amazing picture of our spiritual adoption into the family of christ that adopting in an earthly sense is and so from the very beginning that was kind of something that was always on our radar and um so we got married and like a lot of couples you know we took a few years just to kind of be married and and not worry about kids and stuff and um and so then we decided to start trying to have kids and um and we tried for a little while we didn't have any success and so then we struggled with infertility, and we went through a lot of that process of going to the doctors and going through that. And in the middle of that process, you know, we just really sensed God saying, stop. You know, this is not the way I want you to do this. Um, and in, in the midst of that, we just felt like God was saying that adoption was the way that we needed to go. And um So that whole process, as you can imagine, was very spiritually and and emotionally draining. And so we really didn't do anything for a couple of years. We just kind of were still. And even in that time, we talked a lot about adoption. We knew that that was the way that we needed to go. And it was just a question of the timing of that. And um, so in 2011, just a a number of things seemed to come to confluence. Like it had just sort of bubbled back up in our hearts. And there were sort of some divine appointments where people just kind of... um, Nudged us in the right direction with that. We had friends just say stuff to us, and and just God spoke through that. He spoke to us in prayer, and and so we said, okay, we think the time is here. We need to do this, and um, so then the question was where, right? And um, so as we prayed about it, you know, the kind of principle that came to our hearts in this was start with where God has given you relationships um, and connections, and so in the midst of that. Um, I had a connection with Catholic Social Services. I'd worked with their director on some projects in the past and stuff. And um, so I reached out to him, and, of course, he was excited for us, and they were happy to meet with us. And so we went to their offices, and we met with um, this lady who I kind of called the Yoda of adoption (laughs) um, because she'd been doing it for, like, 40 years. And she just was happy to tell us, like, everything we needed to know. And she went through all of the ups and the downs and the good and the bad with us. And, um, you know, at the end of that conversation though, she said, you know, I'll be honest with you. Like you do not need to probably adopt here in Montgomery. She said, there's just not a lot of kids being put up for adoption. She said, you will be waiting a very, very long time. And she gave us a list of other adoption agencies that they had worked with, um, that she knew were reputable and and were good. And we sat down and we looked at them on the internet and One of them in particular stood out to us. It was an agency called Lifeline in Birmingham, and um, we really loved them because they were very much Christ-centered, and they were very much about sharing the gospel, um, not only with the parents um, who were adopting, but also they were about ministering and sharing the gospel and taking care of the the birth parents too. And so we arranged an appointment with them. We went up to Birmingham and. um, It's just one of those sort of divine appointment kind of things like we just we met with them everything kind of felt right um, and we literally we stepped out of the front door um, of the agency after all the the interviews and stuff and we went up there and we looked at each other and we both said at the same time this is the place and so that kind of started our adoption journey um, with this agency in in Birmingham and so you know Fran's going to talk a little bit about the process and and the waiting and stuff with
2: that? So it's, um, it's a pretty long-entailed process. You you start out with a lot of interviews with social workers, and um, you get some training, and there's... Um, uh, I've got mommy brain. <laughs> um, training interviews and... Uh, you background have, checks. Background checks, <laughs> and, and you're fingerprinted. I promise we could probably, like work at the Pentagon right now we've <laughs> been checked so much um, and before you really start the process of actually being shown there is a form called the Desired Child Form and it's probably nine pages long and it's it's item by item things that you will accept and you won't accept in the child things as, as benign and trivial as if a child had a, a birthmark on their face, would you accept the child? Which, that was silly to us, honestly, just plain silly. Um, but to things as serious as severe medical um, issues with a child. And some things we really had to pray through and really struggled with. And, um, and in part of that, um, we, we got to the part about race. And we had always just assumed that because we're Caucasian, we would have Caucasian children. Um, But because of our pastor, Alan, um, uh, the book he wrote and the things he was teaching in his sermons, and we had the influence of some other of our our friends, we prayed and we realized that if we... If there were races that we said, no, we won't, we won't consider this, we're closing a door to what God might do for us. We're closing a door to the child that God might have for us. As we got through that process, we just decided that our arms were pretty much open wide, and whatever God had for us is what we wanted. And one of the verses that, that God really put in my heart during that time was in First Samuel, and it was where Samuel was trying to anoint all of David's brothers, but God really spoke and said, No, um, man looks on the outside of things, but God looks at the heart. And in that moment, I knew that that the heart was the most important thing, and I started praying for my child's heart at that point, and the child that God had for us, and the child that would mesh into our family and would be a McCorkle. Um, so... The process starts with you finishing that form, turning that in, and making a profile book. It's kind of like a yearbook, but it's about who you are as a family, the things you like to do, um, your faith in Christ, uh, your family, your friends, and tons and tons of pictures. Um, And the, the birth parents can get anywhere from 20 to 30 of these books at a time, and they pick one. And so you can... You can guess that it's a long process because if every birth parent gets twenty or thirty couples and they only pick one, you're going to get shown a lot. And so we um, we were sh- we we actually went through this process of the, the calls and of seeing um, of having the profile seen sixty eight times um, and. We didn't realize at the time that, that Lifeline had changed their policy, um, but they, um, they had a policy where the, the longest waiting person, um, if you were in the agency and the longest person shown, you got bumped up, and there was this longest waiting list. And so every single time we got shown and we were called or we were emailed and we got a no, what we didn't realize is that was bumping us higher and higher on the list, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened in the windup, Is that we were on the very tippy top of the longest waiting list, um, and that list doesn't get used very often. But that's where we found ourselves to be um, when we eventually got the call.
1: So, you know, I would, um, I would just say that during the four years that we were waiting, you know, we waited with. Perfect, unwavering faith, and we never doubted. Um, No, that's not true. We doubted a lot, and we struggled a lot um, over four years with this. And there were times when we wondered, God, have we heard you wrong? Maybe we're not supposed to adopt. Maybe we're not supposed to have kids. And there were times even that we didn't doubt adopting, but we wondered if we were with the wrong agency. And we would meet people who had gone with another agency, and their adoption had happened in, like, you know, three months or something, and so you're like, golly, you know, we've been waiting years, and so we struggled through a lot of that stuff, and, um, you know, a couple of scriptures that I think spoke to me in the waiting a lot, one was Isaiah 40:31, which, you know, I think most everybody knows, And but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles, they'll run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not be faint. Um, this definitely felt like a marathon at times. It felt like um, we were kind of running a race and we would get tired at times and, um, and stuff. And, you know, and then God would send stuff to rejuvenate us. Sometimes it was a verse, sometimes it was prayer, sometimes it was people. Um, you know, another verse that really spoke to me during that time and it's spoken to me really often on all through my life is Proverbs three, five, and six, um, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight, um, so one of the stories that, you know, kind of comes to mind just of how God worked in this, because, you know, every time we would doubt, God would send something into our path that just sort of affirmed, it. sometimes it was little, sometimes it was big, but just sort of affirmed, hey, you were right where you're supposed to be. You just need to wait on me. And um, I, mean, I remember there was a week where we were starting to talk about, you know, maybe we're in the wrong place. You know, maybe we need to look at this agency in Atlanta. Like, people are going through this agency in Atlanta. They're getting getting these really fast adoptions through them, and and maybe we're not in the right place. And, um, I mean, we were struggling with it and praying about it that week and stuff. And I remember we were at lunch at Olive Garden, and we bumped into someone um, that we knew at Olive Garden, and they asked about the adoption and stuff, and they asked what agency we were with. And then they just told us this just amazing story about someone that they knew that had gone through this agency and, and had gone through their placements and stuff. And it's like, okay, God, you know, you're just kind of telling us, hey, Hanging, we're in the right place. And, um, you know, and it's funny because, I mean, this is not a big agency, and this agency probably places 30, 40 kids a year or so. And this is a very small um, nonprofit Christian agency in Birmingham. So the odds of you bumping into somebody at random who had dealt with them is is probably close to zero. Um, But, you know, God just gave us those kinds of sort of little affirmations um, all the way along the way. And like Fran said, you know, we. For about three years of this process, you know, we were operating under the assumption that, you know, and if we don't get picked, we're not going to get a child. But little did we know that the agency was in the background sort of thinking about changing their process, and they had decided, you know, to sort of create this longest waiting list. And we did not find out about that until last summer, Um, and that was a huge encouragement. But it's just neat looking back now, and we see um, God's timing in this of, you know, all this time we were getting rejected and all this time like God was setting this up so that we would get to the top of this list um, right at the time that David was going to be put up for adoption um, and we'll get to that story in just a little bit
2: for me at least um, there isn't one scripture I can just pull out and say God really encouraged me through this um, it was more of a general sense through prayer and Bible study and people and and things going on but about maybe a year and a half ago I had a lot of girlfriends start just giving me baby things Um, they were having yard sales or or whatever and they would just give me things and the nursery started kind of having things in it and I guess about five months ago um, or or four months ago um, God just put just an effort in my heart to want to actually um, buy things for the baby and because for the last four years it was it was depressing and it was kind of sad to buy baby things and have them in the room and then there's not a baby there Um, and a short time ago I actually uh, got hired for a a small part-time job and Chris and I talked about well what do we do with the money and God really kind of put it on both of our hearts. Hey, let's let's buy things for the baby. And so with no baby in sight and no expectation of a child soon, we just decided to step out in faith and just literally spend every single penny that I made on things for the nursery. Um, little did we know that, you know, I started that job at the beginning of February, and David was born March 30th. We we could not have known that that was simply God just putting it on our hearts and reaffirming you know I have this I'm getting you prepared but we couldn't have known that um, and then there was uh, the last baby right before David um, was one that in my heart I really wanted um, and and I don't know if that was just because God was getting me ready to be a mother or what but. When we got the call and it was a no, it was it was devastating for me. And I remember driving down Atlanta Highway, and on the radio, this Toby Max song came out called, called um, "Move on." I think it's called "Move on." And it talks about being in the middle of a circumstance where um, your dreams are passing by you and you don't see God answering your prayers and you're in the middle of just despair. And it tells you to keep moving, just keep moving, that God is doing something. He is going to answer your prayer. You just have to keep moving and keep looking up. And that song encouraged me so much. And I was literally weeping driving down Atlanta Highway. And God just spoke in that moment. Um,
1: It was Wednesday, April 6th. And um, my phone rings while I'm at work. And it's Fran. and. you know, she tells me, hey, you know, we've got this profile that's come up, um, and they really need an answer, like, worst case in the morning, they really want an answer today. And so, you know, um, I told her, yeah, I'll, I'll go look at it. Let's pray about it this afternoon, and then maybe tonight we can talk about it and just just see what sense we have if we need to um, be shown on this one or if we need to, to pass it up. And, um, and I hung up with Fran, and, you know, kind of what went through my mind was, you know, we've been through this dozens and dozens of times before right and so um you know I didn't think a whole lot about it I went back to what I was doing at work and you know I think at lunch I opened up the profile and read through it and prayed about it and and just had a sense that you know everything was was good with this profile and and that we definitely wanted to be considered on it um and so you know I just kind of at that point just just went about my day and um you know, I texted Fran and said, I, like, I really feel like this profile is good. I don't know how you're feeling about it. And she responded back and said, you know, I, I really kind of think it's good too. But we agreed to meet at Starbucks um, before church, so we'd have a little time to talk about it. We could, you know, call the adoption agency and let them know. And, you know, again, this was a process we've been through 60-something times before. And so, you know, we just um, we didn't think a whole lot about it at the time.
2: So, I got to Starbucks and I sat down across from Chris I said, well, what do you think? He said, I think we should do it. I think we should be shown on this one. And so, I said, well, I think we should too. He said, well, why don't you just call the social worker right now? And I'm like, right now? And he's like, right now. <laughs> so, I called the social worker and I'm talking to her and I say, you know what? We want to be shown on this one. And she goes, oh, honey, I must not have explained it well enough because... There is no showing on this. We're not going to send your profile book to the birth mom. You see, she asked the agency to choose a family for her, and we went to the longest waiting list. You're at the top. If you want this baby, he's yours. And at that point, I start boo In the middle of Starbucks.
1: So I had, had to show this picture, but, yeah. So so we're we're both, like, going to pieces in the middle of Starbucks. People are staring I'm, at us. I'm so.
2: muttering under my breath, are you telling me I'm a mom? Do you mean I'm a mom? <laughs> <laughs> and um, at that point, um, Chris takes the phone, because I'm a, a blubbering idiot at that point, <laughs> and he starts talking about, okay, what do we do next? What What's the next step? Yeah. <laughs> and we get ready to go to Georgia.
1: Yeah. And so that was, a, that was a Wednesday. I actually joked with our social worker because, you know, April Fool's had just been a few days before. I said, if this is an April Fool's joke, we are coming to get you, babe. um <laughs> So, you know, we made plans. And um, it was a Wednesday, and we went to Georgia on Monday, um, and we got David on Jesus. Tuesday. So um, it, it's amazing. It happened really fast. Um, it, you know, after four years of waiting, you know, all of this happened in just about four days. And um, just been amazing to see God's timing in it.
2: And amazing to know that every single time we got a call or we got a message, we're sorry, they picked someone else. Every single solitary no led to this one yes. Yeah. If it hadn't been for all of those no's, when this birth mom said, we want, I want you, I want the agency to be a yeah. family.
0: Yeah.
2: The agency wouldn't have called yeah. us. They would call called someone else. Yeah. I
1: mean, that's just God's hand. So, this is David. <laughs> and um, this is the result of four years of waiting you know, in I 20. Um, one of the things that I remember another couple sharing with us, like five years ago, back when we first started the process, um, it was that they said, you're going to feel like as you're going through this process that you're missing your child. You know, every time somebody says no, every time something falls through, When somebody says yes and they said you know don't worry about that you're going to have exactly the child God had for you at exactly the time he had it and that's turned out to be exactly true I mean David really is exactly what God had for us um, and we are so excited to have him and the timing like there's a lot of things we didn't really want to try to go into but I mean there's just so many things about God's timing in this like God brought us to a point where we were financially prepared, where we were logistically prepared, where we were emotionally prepared. And we look back at it now, and if it had happened like 18 months ago, we probably wouldn't have been ready on all of those fronts. And so, it's just been so amazing to see. And, you know, this little guy who's, you know, just fits into our family so well.
2: He is such a McCorkle. I mean, it's incredible. He's just like a daddy. I mean, he is The most low key, the most even killed little guy. He's so patient and um, he's just like Chris. (laughs) (coughs) And we are over the moon about him and so blessed and so excited just to watch him grow up and see what God has in store for him.
1: Yeah. So thanks for letting us share with you um, in absentee this morning and. um, just, um, just sharing really not about us, but really what God's done. And um, we are so thankful, um, just so amazed at his faithfulness um, over the last four years and what we've been through.
0: When not that good? He is God and there is no other. What a beautiful display. I'm not going to continue on. I know the clock. That's the primary most of the sermon. I just want to read some scriptures over you just to confirm some things and to just reiterate some things. But that is so powerful and just a beautiful display of that scripture. Who God is. Sixty-eight other children. God had one to play somewhere else. Sixty-eight kids were not supposed to be their child. Four years of waiting on the Lord and trusting Him with what we just declared. So guys, very simply, that is God's sovereignty and His providence on beautiful display. God's sovereignty is His supreme power, possessing supreme dominion over all things. I want to just say the word providence, and guys, get this in you. This is I needed to hear this again. Things Some of you may be going through things. I've talked to many of you in here. Some of you are struggling with financial things, job opportunities, career changes, relationships in your family. Kids going to college and deciding on what career and majors. All of us are in positions where we're having to do this. Trust God. Wait for his timing. Knowing he cares and he knows what's best. And so providence, very simply, is timely care. Noah Webster 1828. I love this definition. It's timely care, a particularly an active foresight, which is accompanied with the procurement of what is necessary for future use. It's the care and superintendence with God, which he exercises over his creatures. He that acknowledges a creation and denies a providence, which means and denies one who is timely involved in everything, involves himself in a palpable contradiction. For the same power which caused a thing to exist is absolutely necessary to continue its existence. Amen. Amen. And that's what he's done here with this precious little boy. I want to read a few scriptures and tie in a little uh, devotional that I was reading this week. The timing of it was just so perfect. John Piper, um, I want to actually recommend this little app called Solid Joys. Just a little commercial that you can get on your phone. Uh, John Piper has it out. And one this week as I was having my quiet time emphasized Isaiah 46. But Daniel chapter 4, verse 34 through 35 and verse 37. I just want to read these over to you. But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar... Remember, this is the same king that a few days later was eating grass in a field like an animal, okay? Before God worked on his heart again. So here's Nebuchadnezzar declaring this. I raised my eyes toward heaven. My reason had returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom endures from generation to generation, All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. But he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And no one can ward off his hand. What did she just say? God's hand evident. No one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 37, praise, exalt and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are true, his ways are just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Psalm 115, 1-3. One through three, I just want to give you these. Guys, these are ammunition in the Spirit. Please write these down. These are scriptures that we all need to get in us, go to. I have them written in the back of my Bible. These are go-to scriptures when there are times of struggle and doubt and fear and saying, God, where are you? Why aren't you answering? Or why aren't you answering the way I want you to or the way I think you should? We go to these truths for us. Psalm 115, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name, give glory because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. Why should the nation say, where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. Psalm 135, praise the Lord for the Lord is what? And I love how God through the psalmist put this first guys, let's be honest. Sometimes we hear some things that the Lord just does what he pleases. You know, sometimes we think God has that attitude. I'm God, and I'm just going to do what I want. Tell me, we've all been there at some point. that He's just this supreme guy sitting upon a throne, just going to do what he wants to do. There's not much emotion there, not much care. We've all battled that. I've battled that over the years. But praise God, even in the Old Testament here, he puts this first to set the tone for the nature of our loving, benevolent king. Amen? Our heavenly father. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is lovely. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his own possession. For I know that the Lord is great. Thank you, Ashley, for the song this morning. We're right on. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he what? Does. In heaven and in earth, in the seas, and in all the deeps. Piper says here briefly, just a few little sentences. The word sovereignty in this context, Piper says, like the word Trinity, does not show up in the Bible. It's not there. We use it, though, to refer to this truth that God is in ultimate control of the world from the largest international intrigue to the smallest birdfall in the forest. In Job chapter 23, Job declares here, but he, God, is unchangeable, and who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. For he will complete what he appoints for me. And did we just see that? God had appointed a four-year time of patience and waiting for them. Sixty-eight children to go to other families. But God had precious little David appointed to be a McCorkle. Isn't that incredible? We could go so far with that considering the family and how we came to be and all that. It's like... Wow, God, these scriptures are such a reality if we see it in this way. Piper goes on to say, One reason this doctrine is so precious to us as believers is that we know that God's great desire is to show mercy and kindness to those who trust him. God's sovereignty means that this design for us cannot be frustrated. We have to hold to this truth. One scripture I've been quoting for weeks now, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. What is that? His thoughts are what? Not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. His are higher than mine, and his thoughts are higher than mine, and I don't have a clue. But guess what? That's okay. And I've had to come to that place of resting there. In Matthew 6, we see so clearly, I love how Jesus was able to express this, why are we to be concerned about anything? Our food, our clothing, our shelter, why? If he's concerned about the sparrow and the lily in the field, How much more what? Valuable are you in the eyes of God as as his children. He will take care of you. He will provide in his time. When I heard that four years, I know some of you out there struggling with things, with different situations, that you hear that and go, oh, God, please no. You know, I know for them four years, but please, if you want to shorten it a little bit, timing of this, a job situation, please do so. You have, you know, capability, I know. But what a powerful testimony to know Everything I've just declared, they've got to walk through and see on display. And honestly, if Chris and Fran were here today saying, do you think they would have traded one day for any of it? This is exactly what they needed. It's exactly what we needed. Why God waited a part of it? Think about it. And what we just declared, one of the reasons God waited the four years was for today. Y'all see that? This is a part of these scriptures. He has appointed this morning, this day, this Memorial Day weekend for you to see and hear that. For us to be encouraged, for us to know who he is, and for us to take that message out there. He finishes with this, Piper does. Nothing, absolutely nothing, befalls those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose, but what is for our deepest and highest good. And we all say, thank you, Lord, for Romans 8.28. Amen? Another one. Go to. He says, and we know that God causes all things. How many things? All. All. Greek word for all means? That's a little theological joke. But seriously, sometimes we like to put a little sidebar under some things or things that fit my flesh or my soul or things I want. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. Psalm eighty four eleven, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does He withhold. From those who walk uprightly, I wanted to take a peek at this word "good" because we heard this our whole lives. We we declared this, we claim it, we've heard it, and it is true. This is biblical truth; it's a fact. But the word "good" here, in the Greek and the Hebrew, the Greek word is agathos, and the Hebrew word is tov, and it literally could be read: God causes all things to work together for my benefit, for my advantage, and for my profit. Think about that. Both words, the Greek and the Hebrew, that is what the word good means here. All things work together for my benefit, for my advantage, for my profit. Now, granted, we're all sitting here going, well, I know my advantage, my profit may look a lot different than whose. His. But that's where we rest and trust in his nature and the fact that everything he does is based on his love for us, for our highest good, and all of that is encompassed in his what? Glory. Everything, not one thing is different. So everything He does for our benefit, for our advantage, for our profit, which only God truly understands, is to bring honor and glory to Jesus, which man, that story just declared that, didn't it? Jesus just got some serious pub. I mean, he was got some credit, some exaltation. Secondly, everything He does to our benefit, our advantage, our profit, is to conform us to the image of Jesus, right? Every day, sanctification. And with that, for the purpose of other people, seeing that sanctification work in us, seeing how we respond biblically in the peace of God, in the rest of God, and trusting him in faith. And that's where the gospel goes forth with our actions. So Piper at the end says it this way. He said, therefore, he calls these the two pillars of his life. You can just picture two giant pillars holding up a structure for for a foundation. He said, the mercy of God and the sovereignty of God are the twin pillars of my life. Because everything God does for us is out of his mercy and his loving kindness for our benefit, for our advantage, under his supreme dominion. And we trust in that. So Piper says, those two things are my hope of my future. Those are the energy of my service, the center of my theology, the bond of my marriage, the best medicine in all of my sickness. And it's the remedy of all of my discouragement. So as I've been struggling the past few weeks, and some of you may have, it's like, Lord, you didn't answer it right. You answered my prayer, but not the way I wanted. Or your timing was a little off, what I thought it should have been. I go back and remember my highest good, what is for my advantage, my profit, my benefit, to bring you glory, to be conformed to your image, so that other people will see Jesus in me. And know that I can trust him in faith, knowing he is a heavenly father, like they said back in the 50s and 60s, father knows best if my kids were here, I'd go, y'all remember that? But they're in Nashville. They would say, yeah, you're right. But guys, that's, it's true. These scriptures adhere to that. Heavenly Father knows best in all things in these situations. And so uh, looking at that and hearing that, we're going to see here a beautiful symbolism of these very scriptures. God was pleased, it says in Isaiah 53, to what? Crush his son. All the scriptures we just read culminated at the cross. There's normally a cross in the earth line pointing. There it is. But think about it. All the scriptures I just read was culminated for our benefit, for our salvation, for that intimacy with God that I replayed about, culminated at the cross. God putting the wrath, his wrath upon his son for our benefit. It pleased him. He was an appointed time for us to be able to have an intimate relationship with Jesus through God being God and doing what he pleases in the way he wanted to do it. And us about to partake in communion is a beautiful reflection and symbolism of us remembering that, accepting that, walking in faith, saying, thank you, God, that you are God and there is no other, that you have a plan, not just for all the little details of our lives, but for our salvation to restore us back to yourself. And he did that through the work of the cross. So I hope you're encouraged this morning. This was encouraging. I could have said amen right at the end of it, but I just wanted to bring a little context with some scripture. But I pray today, if you're struggling, as I'm still every day taking some things to the Lord, with God, where are you? Where's your timing? You're waiting too long. I don't want to be patient anymore. I don't want the right answer. All these things, which we all battle with, just rest in these verses. Fall back into these truths, these promises. Guys, this is what we have. This is it. Amen? And I hate you to say this is all we got, because this is it. (laughs) This is everything. Go back to the source of truth, which is his authoritative word, rest in it, meditate on it, just soak in it. And if you're struggling with some things, you will come to that place, as they said, to know we just rest and knew God. We had to trust him. He knew what was best at the time. So if the worship team would come forward and y'all please stand. As you come forward this morning to partake of communion. And as we say, this is for those who are followers of Jesus Christ, who profess profess uh, faith in Jesus. The table is open to you. But as we're... This song, even what we're about to sing, was chosen specifically for after this. That as you guys seek the Lord, as you're praying, make things right between Him and the Lord. If there's somebody in here, before you come to this table, God needs to examine your heart. You may need to go to somebody. Make things right. But as we worship the Lord and sing this song, some of you may be in a position this morning with so many different circumstances that you just need to say, Lord, it is well with you, whatever it is. I cling to your love. I cling to your grace and your mercy. And you just need to declare it is well, and I rest in you. I have peace to know that you are God, and you're going to do what you're going to do. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the amazing testimony of the McCorkles, God. We thank you for your hand in their lives over these past few years, that we get to see your divine providence at work, that we can trust you, that we can rest in you. And we thank you so much, God, that in your mind, before the foundation of the world, you had little David McCorkle in mind. And your word declares it so. And we thank you that we get to be a part of his life and see the glory of God manifested in the family, that we can come alongside and encourage them. And with that, Lord, you're a God that we can trust because of this table, what this table represents. Lord, your body was broken for us. Your blood was shed for us on the cross. You took the wrath of your father upon yourself for our sin. Every one of us in this room deserved death because of our sin. We were separated from you, but because of your mercy that we just declared, because of your grace, your loving kindness, you bridged the gap that we could be restored and reconciled back to you through your death, your resurrection, and your ascension, where you are now seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning over all things as supreme being. All dominion, all power, all glory is yours. Lord, as we come to this table, examine our hearts. God, is there things we need to submit, ask for forgiveness, repent, whatever it is? If we've been in a place, God, where we haven't trusted you, our faith has been wavering, we've been struggling with doubt, bring us to a place of faith and confidence in you, God, trusting you, knowing you're in control, and as we just read, knowing you are God and there is no other, and everything is for our good, and we praise you for that, and just, Holy Spirit, come, move among us, in Jesus' name, amen.